Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Church, I have been praying that God would give me exactly what to say today. And it became very clear last night as I was working on the sermon today, how he wanted to close out this series. You see, I've been preaching a series these last few weeks, not including Mother's Day. I've been preaching a few sermons that individually, they all look like they're very independent. They, they don't go together. Today, I want to walk you through the glory of God and how he works these, these sermons together into one picture that we want to share with you today. Amen. Amen. Look, I'm excited. I feel like I'm going to take off my jacket. Is that okay? That's right. Two boats. This was a sermon I preached a few weeks ago. If you haven't heard this sermon, it's, it's on our website. I encourage you to go listen to it. It was the first in the series. This is about going deeper with Christ. If you need to go deeper in any area of your life, Perhaps there are areas of your life that don't have much of God in it. This sermon will help you see how God can use that area to go deeper with him. In that sermon, I preached Luke chapter 5. I want to read a passage from Luke chapter 5 right now. Verses 4 through 7. When he had finished speaking, he had said to Peter, Now go out to where it is deeper. Say deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, the nets began to tear. The verse I want to point out today is verse 7. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish. And we're on the verge of sinking. When I first preached this message, I talked about the first part of this and the two boats. Today, I want to focus on a different part of this passage. It's hard to see right now what part I want to focus on. But with modern technology, I can highlight it. There it is. Partners. Say partners. You see, this scripture brings to light this concept of a partnership. You may ask, is this the only time in scripture you see it? Nay, just a few verses later, a few verses later, we see it says this. For he, Peter, was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others that were with him. His partners, say partners, were James and John, and they were also amazed. You see, in a time of great blessing. It was shared with the partners. The partners came. They brought their boats. Yesterday during the service, we talked about the storm and how the boats came. And when Jesus calmed the storm, not just was the boat blessed, but the partners around were blessed. Here are the same partners. I believe James and John were in that boat at that storm, and they were in the boat right here. Let's go on to the next sermon. The next sermon was keep watch. This is a sermon about the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a sermon for any of you who need to get intimate with God. 
need to understand that God is, wants to be honest with you. And in here you will find the battle of the wills. You will find one of the most dangerous temptations here on earth, the battle of your own will versus his. But today I want to point you to another passage. It's, it's Mark 14, 32. Right in that passage, we read this that week. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. In verse 33, he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. Look, there it is again. Do you see it? He took Peter, James, and John. In Jesus Christ's most desperate time, the time where he was battling with his own will, in a time where he wasn't, he wasn't exactly sure how it was going to go down, he brought his partners. And with his partners, and these weren't all of his disciples, just a verse earlier, he told the rest of them to stay behind, and he took Peter, James, and John with him. And in that, he says he was deeply troubled and distressed. Verse 34, it says, he told his partners, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here with me. Keep watch and pray with me. In Jesus' most desperate time, he brought with him his partners. Then again, you'll see this thread one more time. Giants in the land. It's a sermon I preached before Mother's Day. This was met with a, a lot of interest. I preached out of Gideon, and I talked about how God needs to awaken, God wants to awaken, and God will awaken the giant in us all. And that the giant in us all is far more powerful than the giants that are around us. Yes, ma'am. We need to wake up and get a hold of that church. The Lord has already started waking up some giants in this church. If you want to hear more about that, come to the business meeting and you will see what God is doing. I also talked about, at that sermon, I talked about the scripture we, we studied even a while back, which was the religious leader, Jairus, and his daughter that was dying, and Jesus was called to help the daughter and I pointed out that Jesus woke her up. She woke up. She heard God's voice. She woke up. And I guarantee you, she became a giant in faith. If you were once dead and you became alive, don't you think you go around talking about how good Jesus is? And isn't that the case for all of us? Isn't that the case? A giant was woken up in that young lady that day. And I want to go back and look at that again. It's Mark chapter 5, 35 to 42. I want to read a little bit here. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead now. There's no use in troubling the teacher. Jesus overheard them, and he said, Jairus, don't, don't be afraid. Have your faith. In verse 37, it says these words, then Jesus stopped the crowd and he wouldn't let anyone go with him except, guess who? Peter, James, and John. 38 says, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why is this all commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. They were about to witness 
one of the most miraculous events in history. And you know what I learned from the scripture as God was pointing me to these previous sermons, pointing this thread out about Peter, James, and John, making it very clear. It says here, he stopped the crowd. You know what that means, church? Do you know what that means? It means that not everyone is ready. Everyone on the sound of my voice right now, you are, aren't ready for everything that God is about to do in this place. Today, this year. There are experiences and miracles about to unfold before us, and many of us are not ready. There are even some that will choose not to participate. And in some cases, Jesus will direct me to tell some of you to sit this one out. There's some learning to do, some growth to happen, much like this, much like this scripture. There's a limited party in the partnership. There are churches with thousands, tens of thousands this morning. And I would consider all a hundred of you a remnant, a small group set apart from the crowd. Let's keep reading. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. 40. The crowd laughed at him. That's what it says. That's right there. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. 41, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kabum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was just 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. What an amazing scripture. Church, I need to say to you, because I said it yesterday, it is very possible that you will lay your head down tonight and you will not wake up tomorrow. At least not here on this side of grace. We will wake up every day. We will wake up. We will wake up with breath of earth or we will wake up in the presence of God. Are you ready? This girl had seen death and now she was alive and walking. But I want you to not pay attention to Jesus or the crowd today. We preached that message already tale of two sides. No, today, I want you to look at the crowd. I want you to think about the crowd. Because you see, on the outside, there are as many that are going to disagree with what God is doing. It may not be their way. There are many in the crowd that just simply won't believe that God is doing anything. They're just there to watch, come to church and see what's going to happen. Even if something does happen, they may actually make fun of it. They may laugh. They may not understand that there's something bigger than them going on. And church, right now, I want you to get a hold that in the middle of life-changing experiences, God will bring his partners into the mix. If you want to be a part of a life-changing experience, you need to be part of God's inner circle. You know, it became so obvious to me when looking at these scriptures in every sermon, Peter, James, and John, Peter, James, and John. I looked through more scripture. And you know what? In some of Jesus' most amazing times, there they are again, the transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. At the cross, Peter, James, and John. Afterwards, Peter, James, and John. The inner circle, it became so clear to me, church, that God needs 
partners. Even God, our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, needed a partner. He called him out. He told the other disciples to stay back. He called him out on the boat. He called him out with Jairus. He called him out when he needed them the most. Why? Why did he call these partners out? I believe just like these scriptures say, he called his partners out to experience life with him. Church must be about. You see, I hear all the time. I've been to plenty of churches. I go in. I've met leaderships. I talk to them. I've even been members of other churches besides Kingsway. And you know what? I hear this term a lot, especially modern churches. They, let's do life together, they say. And they say it real happy like that. Let's do life together. And I'm fascinated by that concept because I would love to do life together. But generally, life means come in, sing some songs, tell me about how God is good, and then leave. You see, that's not life to me. That's, that's, I'm not, I'm, there's no knock on that church or any churches that do that. But when I get home, life is hard. Life is like what Chad described. Life is, is like what some of the family members are going through right now. Life is hard. And to do life with one another, it means you need to get down in the trenches. You need to get down where it's dirty, where it's dark, where it's sad at times, where people are lost. It is difficult. It is not easy. And it is time-consuming. And to have a church that does life with one another, well, you don't have enough people to minister to every single person. Therefore, I don't know how churches that do life with each other grow to 10,000. I can barely remember all of your names. Every Sunday morning, I pray for all 120, 130 of you. And I try to do it from memory. About 95 in, I forget, and I have to go to my list and go, oh, I forgot to pray for such and such and such and such. And we delegate and we split out people to pray for you and to partner with you behind the scenes. And some of you know who I'm talking about. We come to you and we desperately, we ask about work. We ask about finances. We ask about health. We ask how we can we pray for you. We ask if we can fast for you. See, that's doing life, church. And yes, it doesn't result in a packed church, not right away. But it results in a foundation of godly partners. Because the people that are going to walk through that door from Baltimore City, and we've had some, the people who don't know God, they are struggling. They are suffering from addiction. They are suffering from anger. They are suffering from alcoholism. They are suffering from gambling. They are suffering from you name what. And they need answers. And they need something to replace what they've been going to. One sermon is not going to be enough. The Holy Spirit talking to them in that service is wonderful. Till they walk out the door and are attacked. They need people to do life with them. They need partners. So God had partners. He brought them in to experience life with him. He had partners himself when he needed to pray. When God needed prayer the most, he brought in his inner circle and he prayed for encouragement. Now his partners let him down a little bit. And that's okay, our partners will do that. But the point is, that's the structure we create. You know what else partners do? Partners allow you to accomplish so much more than you could ever accomplish by yourself. Could Jesus have gone in there and resurrected the little daughter by himself? I believe he could. He's God. But see, when he's here on earth, he's acting and functioning as a man. And men and women, we need encouragement. He took the mother and the father by hand. His partners came around, and I envision they, they were in a prayer circle, holding their hands one together. And he needed his partners to complete that circle around the daughter. He needed those partners to see what was about to happen. He needed his faith to be increased. He needed their faith to be increased. And in that moment, 
a life-changing experience, not just for them, but for those around them. Do you see, church? One more quick thought on partners. I don't have a lot of time to get into this, but I enjoy teaching. I just want to point this out. I got fascinated last night. Why, Peter, James, and John? There are a lot of disciples. Why, those guys? Were they special? You know, we hear a lot about Peter, hear a lot about him. Why, Peter? Uh, Peter, to me, is pretty obvious. He's the loud one. He's the obnoxious one. He's the one that knows it all. He's the one that's going to fight first, think second. You know, you need one of those guys in your inner circle. It's a big brother. We need one of those. He was also the oldest. You see, in your inner circle, you need somebody with some seasoning. You need somebody with some tenure, with some wisdom. Then there's John. John, that was easy. John, John was more intent on loving Jesus than leading. Leave the leading to, to Peter. Leave the loving to John, the disciple whom God loved the most. I preached that sermon already. Yes, John was loved by Jesus, and, and John loved to just sit in his presence and talk about God's love. You need one of those in your circle. You need somebody who can point to God's love no matter what's going on. You need somebody who can tell you that God loves you and that he is good when you don't feel it. The Holy Spirit will work through them for you. James, now this one was tricky. This one was very tricky. You see, James didn't say a lot. It's not a lot in Scripture about James. And then it dawned on me. James didn't need to say a lot. You see, James let his actions speak louder than his words. And no louder did James's actions speak than when he decided that he would be the first one to lay his life down for Jesus Christ. Of the disciples, he was the first to be martyred because his belief in Jesus was unshakable. You need somebody like that in your inner circle. You need somebody like that in your group. Jesus laid it out for us. So now the question is, what does your inner circle look like? Who are your spiritual partners? Do you have any? And I asked my wife this, and we started talking, and, you know, in casual conversation when I say this, you know, lots of thoughts come to mind. Oh, such and such, such my prayer partner, or this person, or that person. And then I asked her, I said, no, 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 no. Who do you go to when you are desperate? When church didn't quite cut it? When the worship music isn't quite doing it for you? Who do you go to? Well, then that was instant. Well, I go to such and such and such and such and such. Now, now you know. Your partners. You see, your spiritual partners are somebody that you share your blessings with. When you are blessed, they're right there alongside of you to be blessed with you. Who do you bring alongside of you to be blessed? Who is blessing you? Consider them your spiritual partners today. And if they're not, have a conversation with them. Say, we need to amp this up a level. Jesus made it formal. Why don't we? There's fish coming in my boat, and I want it to come in yours too. The inner circle church, Jesus demonstrated how intimate it was at the Garden of Gethsemane. It was so intimate, it was at the point where he was crying tears of blood. 
And he wanted no man to see that except for his partners. When you are desperate for prayer, when you are desperate for God's presence, who do you turn to when you can't do it yourself? If you do not have this person in your life, find them. If you need help, come to us. We've already instituted the spiritual buddy system in church. It's already flourishing throughout. There's eight or nine of you who know who you are, who are already playing for somebody, who already are calling them and following up with them and doing life with them. If you want to be on either side of that, please, please reach out to us. We want to be a church of partners. And then there is the encouragement. You see, when God is about to take your ministry and go, a lot of times when you're at the foot of that mountain, it looks just too big. It's like trying to climb this, this roof. But when you have your spiritual partner there saying you can do it, God is with you. God is greater in you than he is in the world. Do you understand? Do you understand, my friend, that God is working all things together for good? So I want to tell you today that you need spiritual partners and you need to identify them and quickly. Sure, they're prayer partners. A prayer partner is somebody that you officially pray with. You call them up, you share your life with them, they pray for you. We have instituted a prayer room. If you have not seen it today, before you leave, walk out. When you're going down, look at the financial statement. There's another hallway to the fellowship hall. And in that hallway, you walk down and to the right, there's a beautiful room that we have been investing in that Miss Angie has poured labor of love as a prayer room. It's a room to pray. Pray by yourself or take your prayer partner in there and pray. I'd love for prayer to be happening in there every day. Then there's ministry partners the partners that you partner with to do ministry with, people that you may come in contact at church and that may encourage you or that you may bring alongside your ministry. And of course, you heard earlier, there's missionary partners. Where will our missionaries be without partners? Without support, financial support, prayer support. These are all flavors of spiritual partnership. But I tell you, without that inner circle, a lot of those fade away. And there's one other partnership that is so near and dear to my heart. I could not have a service like this without sharing. All the young adults who come to my house for marriage counseling, we do a marriage counseling small group. And when they come, we come in a big group and we share our wisdom. Bridget and I have been married now for almost 20 years. And we don't know a lot, but we know a little. And when we do that, we share as much wisdom as we can about marriage. I believe marriage is the foundation, is the foundation of a healthy church. It's where God breathes life through children and through ministry. And yes, there are plenty of others that are not married or needed as well. But you know that God has created this foundation between man and woman, and he has said this. He said in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back. They will conquer. Three are even better, for a threefold cord is not easily broken. Today, if you are married, if you are married, do not put your spouse under your feet. Do not make them get behind you. Do not tell them you're going to lift them up on your shoulders. The scripture says that partners are to come back to back. When we face life, 
We need to approach it from our own perspective, our own angles. And husband and wife come together back to back. They cannot be defeated. They are equal in what the Lord is trying to do in their lives, especially in the battle. And a threefold cord above the wife and the husband, above them, they're intertwined by that of the Holy Spirit. God is to be the third person in our marriage. And when we have that, we are tightly wound. Jesus. Jesus in our marriage. By the way, we're, we're going to be starting a whole other marriage conference at Kingsway. We're in preparations of doing that, so it won't be one-on-one. It'll be a group. I think we're going to have it here. We're inviting people. We have a dynamic speaker coming who knows more about marriage than maybe I ever will. We believe in that. Now, for everyone else, I want to leave you with this scripture. Hebrews 3.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, that's all you who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Make no mistake today, you have been called to be a partner. Some within marriage, others within the leadership of a church fellowship, others within ministry, others to help with greeting. Others to help cut bread for communion. Others to help write cards for thank you notes. There are so many areas you can partner with Kingsway that you can partner with the people called to heaven. Thank you, Father. Who are your spiritual partners? Who are you partnering with? I want you to be honest with yourself in this moment. Create the list in your mind. Can you count on them? Will they pray for you? Will they encourage you? Will they tell you you are better than who you think you are? Will they share their blessing with you? Will you share yours with them? My prayer this morning is that each and every one of us would know a godly partnership here on earth. And for even the married couples, bigger than just our marriage, I pray that we would experience partnership with like-minded people, older and younger, multi-generational, multi-cultural. I pray we would partner together with different perspectives, all to the same effect, to be called God's people. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.